Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucet, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of, and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also, visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette, and as we do every Thursday, we're joined by a brand new guest talking about their life and their journey throughout the world of martial arts. My guest today was born in Portland, Indiana. He's a martial artist, actor, author, instructor, and more. He studied at Ball State University, earning a bachelor's degree in physical education, also earned his master's in kinesiology at Memphis State University. He's the author of a college textbook on karate and kinesiology. He was play-by-play commentator for UFC number one in 1993, alongside former guest of the show, Kathy Long. He's been elected to the Black Belt Hall of Fame as Tournament Karate Fighter of the Year in 1973, and again as Man of the Year in 1978. His film credits include such movies as A Force of One with Chuck Norris, Continental Divide and Neighbors with John Belushi, The Protector with Jackie Chan, and many more. He continues to teach seminars across the U.S. and abroad, one of which I was lucky enough to attend almost 30 years ago. I don't throw around the term legend too often, but my guest today definitely falls into that category. Please welcome the man they call Superfoot, Mr. Bill Wallace. How are you doing today, sir? I'm fine, sir. How are you guys? I, I hope you're freezing me up there. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's not good. Like I said, we're in the middle of a blizzard. We're supposed to get about eight inches of snow, and it's you know the first day of spring was yesterday, so <laughs> I'm not happy. Oh, yeah. Luckily, oh, it's, oh, it's oh, supposed oh, to be oh, like oh, 20 oh, degrees. Oh, oh, I'm looking at a cloud right now. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I'm, I'm looking at a cloud. It's about 75 degrees down here. Oh. And nice, nice breeze. I'm in wonderful Boynton Beach, Florida. Just absolutely gorgeous weather. I'm thinking about taking a swim, but I, I'll yeah. just talk to you and swim. just, just rub it in. <laughs> yes, sir. I, I, I shall do that. I hate winter so much. <laughs> but hey, you know, this is what this is the funny thing. Think about this. If God would have wanted us to be in freezing cold weather, He would have given us a fur coat, like He gives the bears and all these other people. But what do they do in the wintertime? They sleep through it. That's right. You should tell my wife that. <laughs> we should not be living I, in cold I, I, weather. You convince my wife yeah, well, to move hey, and I'll come visit you in Florida. <laughs> here's the funny thing. Your wife probably says, well, my family's up here. That's why they make airplanes. That's right. <laughs> airplanes are nice. Well, how we like to kick off the show, I want to go back to the very beginning. I want to know where that first spark came from, that first interest in martial arts that kind of kicked off your journey in the world of martial arts. Well, in seventh and eighth grade, I was in junior high school in Lafayette, Indiana. And I played, I played basketball and, you know, about, I was about five, 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 six at the time. And, and if you know anything about Indiana, it's a, it's a big, big, big <laughs> basketball state. Oh, yeah. And I, I was okay, but I wasn't great because I was short. And all of a sudden, my freshman year, some guys, hey, why don't you go out for the football team? Now, understand, <laughs> as a freshman in high school, I weighed 89 pounds. Wow. Yeah. If I turned sideways and stuck on my tongue, I looked like a zipper. But any, but anyways, I said, sure. And I was the long snapper, which means I, I would center the ball back to the punter or center the ball back to the place kicker, right? Mm-hmm. The reason I was the long snapper, I was the only one stupid enough to keep my head down and snap it back. 
back then, I'm talking 1959-1960, there was no three-second rule mm-hmm. in high school. As soon as you snapped the ball, the guy could cream you. Wow. And I did. several, But I never lost a snap. I never lost a snap once. Nice. So that was fun. Then football season is over, and I'm thinking, well, I'm way too little to go out for the basketball team. So I'm walking down the hall one time, and I look in this room, and I see these guys rolling around with each other on, on a mat. So I walk in, I says, what the hell is this called? Now, I just said, what the hell? I said, what's this called? He says, <laughs> Coach says, it's called wrestling. I said, oh, wow. It's kind of funny. Can guys my size do it? He says, how much you weigh? I said, about 89 pounds. He says, yes, because we started at 95 pounds, 95 pounds and work up. I went, wow. So you know, I watched for a while. The next day I came out with my, you know, my, uh, my gym gear on and everything. I started playing, started wrestling. Wrestled my freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year in high school. Nice. And uh, did fairly well. I was, I, I was only one in one year to beat the state champ. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm still wrestling is still my first love. Uh, people will say, well, what about the, mar-? well, if you understand wrestling is a martial art, it was probably the yeah. very first martial art. Exactly. So but I still love it. Still, still go through some of it. But we still teach it in my, a lot of times in my superfoot seminars, and we'll go through some wrestling moves. Takedown. Well, the, the number one takedown in, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu is a double A takedown. Yep. And uh, it's also the, the very first technique you learn to defend. So, you know, that, you know, that comes into play. Nice. And then I graduated, I graduated high school, and my friend, who was my best friend in high school, says, hey, I want to join the service and fly airplanes. And I went, what? <laughs> he says, yeah, I want, to, I want to fly airplanes. Well, the recruiter never told us that you had to be an officer to fly airplanes. He just said, sure, you'll be able to. So, so I joined the service. Oh, yeah. But, you know, hey. Choices that were given, right? Yep. But anyway, so I joined the service with my friend in June. June 10th, I'm stay, I am I sign up. I take the oath. I'm stationed in Lackland Air Force, Lackland Air Force Base, Florida, or excuse me, Texas. Okay. I go through basic training, and I get stationed at Chinook Air Force Base in, in Rantoul, Illinois. And my, my friend at that time, who I never have seen again since that time, is stationed at Shepherd Air Force Base in Texas. So I go to Rantoul, I go through the training there, and then all of a sudden I get stationed at Worthsmith Air Force Base, Michigan, my permanent base. Okay. So I arrived there at the end of November, the 1st of December. And if you've ever, all those people that are listening, if you're in the service, you have two choices. You either find something to do after you get through working or you go get drunk with your buddies. <laughs> well, number one, yeah, it's true. Uh, number one, I don't drink. So I said, I've got to find something to do. So I walk across over to the men's gym and I said, excuse me, do they have a wrestling team on this base? I just got stationed here. He says, well, I don't know what they're doing, but a bunch of guys are rolling around on the mats in the back. <laughs> so I walk in the back and I see these guys rolling around, throwing each other all over the place in their little old white suits. And so I stand up being a brash 18 year old kid. I said, excuse me, does anybody here wrestle? <laughs> and the guy gets up. I didn't know what a black belt was at the time. He says, yeah, you wrestle? I said, yes, sir. He says, well, I'll wrestle you. So he takes his little white uniform off, or white pants, the, the, the gi top off. Mm-hmm. And we wrestle. I take him down a couple times, put him on his back a couple times. He says, hey, that's pretty good. I said, thank you, sir. He, now put this little white coat on. We're going to do it again. <laughs> so, yeah. so I put this little white coat on. And do you know what flying status is? No. But anyway, he threw me. I bounced off the walls. I bounced off the ceiling. <laughs> He choked me out. He arm barred me. He threw me. I, I said, what the hell is this called? He says, it's called judo. I said, wow, this is fun. 
because wrestling is a major part of judo, not just the throwing, yep. but the holding down, the chokes, and the arm bars. So I fell in love with that part of it. Nice. So I started doing that. Then I get stationed from there. I get stationed at uh, King Salmon Air Force Base up in King Salmon, Alaska. I'm there for a year. And now my judo is put on hold because it's an isolated outpost. I come back. From there, I get stationed at Kadena Air Force Base, Okinawa. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, they, they, I was all over the place. So I'm over at Kadena working out. It's on a November day. And I'm over the gym working out, playing judo with some guys. And I, at that time, I understand I weighed about maybe 130, 135 pounds. Okay. I'm working out with a guy 180. Now, there's a fact, the fact that they will tell you in any kind of sport that there is, a good big man will always beat a good little man. Mm -hmm. And so I'm working, I come in for a throw called a sail toshi, which is a body drop. Mm -hmm. He stepped over my leg to counter me, so I stepped through his legs to do another a trip, which is called a uchigari. He collapsed and tore my right medial ligament on, mm -hmm. my, on my right knee to pieces, just yeah. mangled it. So that's the care, yeah, and I'm in a cast for like six months. So I'm all downtrodden, knowing, knowing that my ba basically because this is 1966. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine your surgeries that happened in 1966. It yeah. was there. It was like end of working out forever. Yep. But anyway, so I asked the doctor. I says he wants to operate on it. I said, "What's the chance of it being normal if you don't operate?" He says, "50-50." I said, "What are the chances of it being normal if you do operate?" 50-50. I said, "Doc, put it in the cast." <laughs> I'm trying to get by. So he puts in a cast. Now I'm walking around all forlorn and everything. Mm -hmm. And the guy says, Hey, there's a karate school downtown. Let's go check it out. So I said, okay. So we go downtown Naha. We're sitting in this karate school watching these guys work out. And this guy walks up with a black belt and says, Hey, you do karate. I said, what? He says, you want to do karate? <laughs> what? And my friend says, do you want to do karate? I says, well, I got him in a cast, but I, he says, no problem. Stand up. So I stand up. He says, we do yoga getty. I said, what, what's the Yoko get? He said, sidekick. We do sidekicker. So he showed me how to do the sidekick. And I stood there because I was in a cast. I couldn't move. Mm -hmm. So I did about 15,000 of those things that night, it seemed like. Wow. And that, and that was it. And I go home. I go back to the base. I come back the next week. He says, oh, you're back. I said, yeah, I, I, I think it's kind of neat. I want to watch. He said, no problem. We do Mawashi getting roundhouse kicker. <laughs> so I stand up the same exact way, and now I'm practicing a roundhouse kick. Do about fifteen thousand of those things. After a couple months, I get my leg out of a cast, and I start coming to train. And we're working out, doing all this, all this, you know, striking and punching and kicking and forms and katas and and wasas and stuff like this. And then finally, he says, "Oh, we do kumite." Okay, no one of those Japanese words. What's kumite? He says, "We spar, we fight." Whoa! Time out on the field. <laughs> You, you tell me this reverse punch that we practice at Gakuzuki, Seikanzuki, Oizuki will kill somebody. Yes. And this Shuto, this Haito, all these techniques that we're practicing can kill somebody. Yes. And now we're going to try to kill each other? No, 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 no. <laughs> we do, we do, we do Kimi. We focus. I said, oh, what's that mean? We throw the punches. We just barely touch. Oh, sort of like slap boxing. Yeah, something like that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I sparred with one of the guys, one of the higher ranks. Well, I was at nothing at the time, but sparred with one of the higher ranks. And I throw a sidekick at him and he backs out of the way. And I brought the heel around, you know, thought you think he's going to take my face off. Brought the heel around and caught him right in the solar plexus with my heel. And he goes down. He jumps up. What you do? What you do? I got it. What you do? I went, uh, 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 and I'm standing at attention because you don't hit the higher ranks. And uh, so I said, well, I threw the sidekick at you and you backed out of the way and I just brought the heel around so you wouldn't kill me. He says, uh -huh. Udermawashigeti, Udermawashigeti, hooky kicker, hooky kicker. Hmm. 
So that's what, those are the three kicks that I've used all my life. Side kick, rouse kick, and hook kick wow. with the left leg. That's and awesome. then, then I started, yeah, then because my right knee was very, very bad and, you know, I didn't have the surgery, I had to protect it. Mm-hmm. So I had to fight sideways and to keep the right knee away from me as far as you could because I didn't want to be swept. I didn't want to be kicked. I didn't want to get landed on or something like this. So everything became sideways. All the techniques became sideways. The back fist, the ridge hand, the jab, hook. Wow. Psychic, rasker, cooking. So that's where it all came from. Then, then I get out of the service because there was no, there was no competition over there. Mm-hmm. Not 1960. It was in 1966 when I got back. Okay. So I, I come back and I'm stationed at Norton Air Force Base. Now here's, here's the thing I want you to think about the choices. I'm thinking my, my martial arts career is over because now I'm back in the States where there was no martial arts in 1966. Very little if there was. Mm-hmm. So I looked at me, he's walking around. The guy said, you do martial arts? I said, well, I used to. I did some judo and did a little karate. He says, there's a karate school downtown. You want to go check it out? And I went, yeah, hell yeah. So we're going out now. People don't realize, but Joe Lewis and I were in the same system in Okinawa. Okay. It was showing show you. Show me actually showing you in Naha. He was at the same school. He was there a year and a half before me. So that, that was kind of neat. But I get back to... Uh, San Bernardino, we go downtown, and it's a Shorinru school of karate. I went, wow, what are the chances of that? So I went in and started training, and started training, I think it was in, in I think maybe uh, uh, November, something like that, but worked out November, December, January, mm-hmm. and the 1st of February, the instructor, Mickey Janek, says, hey, there's a karate tournament this weekend in Santa Ana. You want to go? And I said, yeah, sure. What's a karate tournament? <laughs> you know? <laughs> And so we go to the karate tournament. He said, it's just like sparring, just like we do. Because this back then, there was no equipment. No, no hand guards, no foot guard, no shin guards, no yep. no forearm guards, no headgear. So I said, okay. And uh, I never sparred before, and I took second place. Wow. Yeah, the guy that beat me was a kid named Jim Bottoms. Okay. As, soon as, he, as soon as he won the tournament, he got promoted to black belt. So I said, well, that made me feel pretty good. Now, at this time, remember, I was only still a brown belt. Okay. Because I started late. I started late. Then... Uh, that and later on in October, I think not October, in uh, March or April, they Chuck Norris had a tournament in Las Vegas, and I went to that tournament, took third place. So, and then I was the only one from my school that you know gained anything. Mm-hmm. But you know, I just like I think it's come my wrestling background. I just like to spar, yeah. like to move, you know. And then I got out of service. Did you ever compete in I judo the, back then? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Okay. Got matter of fact, I took second in the. Uh, when I started, when I got back to the States, why, you know, I, I didn't do it in the service because they wouldn't let me because if I get hurt, they have to pay me forever and ever and ever. Right. So when I got back to the States, but I took second place in the Indiana State Championships in 1960, no, 1970, 1970, but then, but then tore the knee up again. So uh, that okay. took care of my judo career. But anyway, I get back and I'm just hanging out at Ball State University, going to school there. And, uh, I'm over in the men's gym, just doing some, you know, doing a couple punches, a couple kicks, moving around. And this kid walks up to him and named Harold Rollins, not Harold Rollins, but uh, uh, Robert what, Rollins. He says, you do martial arts? I said, yeah. He says, there's a bunch of us getting together in Indianapolis. He's been, it's about 60 miles away. And we're going to have a workout this weekend. Why don't you come down and play with us? Again, okay. Now, again, the choices that we're giving, right? So I show up there that Saturday morning. Now, I don't know if you know these people or not, but I worked out with that, mor- that morning, Saturday morning. I meet Parker Shelton, Robert Bowles, Glenn Keeney. Jerry Brown, bunch of guys, bunch of the stalwart Indiana people. Okay. And we got together for about five or six hours. We just sparred, 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 and beat the living shit out of each other. Nice. And yeah, and had and had a blast. Glenn and I became best friends. And Ball State is on the quarter system. 
So it, we'd go to school for 10 weeks. We'd have nine days off. 10 weeks, nine days off. Well, after about the first nine days off, you know, I'm going, God, this is kind of boring because I'm, you know, I don't have any studies to do and I'm home. So I said, what the hell are we doing here? So I talked to Glenn. I said, Glenn, you have a karate school. You can take a vacation when you want to. Why don't we take off for nine days? We'll drive as far as we can in four days, stopping every night at a different karate school. Back then you could do that. Yep. And come back a different route. So we first time we did it, we went from uh, Muncie, Indiana, or not from Muncie, but from Anderson, Indiana, to St. Louis, from St. Louis to Kansas City, Missouri, from Kansas City, Missouri, to Omaha, Nebraska, from Omaha, Nebraska, to Lincoln, Nebraska, and then from Lincoln, Nebraska, to Denver, Colorado. Then we drove south and came back through Albuquerque. Nice. And had a blast. I did that for four years. And I think that had a little bit to do with, yeah, with my training because you you spar with different people. You learn all kinds of different attitudes and different ways they do Mm -hmm. something. That's awesome. But, uh, yeah, we did that for four years and and had an absolute blast. And in the meantime, we we started sparring in tournaments. And I, because of my, I guess, martial arts back, you know, my wanting to win <laughs> at any cost, not any cost, but, you know, just my competitive attitude because of the wrestling background, the judo background. I, I won my first nationals in 1968. Okay. So, and then, uh, then you started fighting and competing and winning tournaments and, uh, you know, traveling all over the place and had an absolute blast. Won the nationals. I was three times national champion, 60, you know, 70, 71, 72 mm-hmm. and 73. And then, uh, you know, uh, 72, I get, I, I moved down to, uh, well, here, here's a, here's a story for you. Okay. you talk about choices that were given. I'm national champion, number one in the nation, according to Black Rope Magazine. I go to a tournament in Memphis, Tennessee. Congaree puts it on. It's uh, the first time I've ever been to an all Korean tournament. Well, I didn't know because in the Midwest, they didn't have those. Mm-hmm. I go to this tournament. I'm the only one in the entire uniform wearing a black uniform. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I win my division. Mike Warren wins his division, Albert Cheeks wins his division, and George Reynolds wins his division. Yeah. So I said, hey, wow, this is kind of fun. So now this is what's funny. Listen to this. There's about four hours for the fight time because we're through like at 3 o'clock and the final start at 7. My friend is there, Jim Locker. He's my lawyer. Mm-hmm. He says, let's go out to Memphis State and check out the university. I said, okay. So he drives me out to Memphis State. We're walking through the men's gym. Now, understand, this is, let's say, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. What department head is in his office at 5 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon? Yeah. Exactly, right? Nobody. That's crazy, man. No we walk in there, and Dr. Humphreys, the chairman of the department, is sitting in his office. Jim knows him, so he goes in and introduces me to him. We're talking back and forth. He says, when do you graduate? I said, I graduate this, this summer. June, I graduate. He says, what are you doing next year? I said, well, I have no plans. He says, would you consider being a graduate assistant here at Memphis State University? I said, yeah, love to. Sounds fun to me. So I fill out that application. I hand it to him. I go back to the tournament. Again, you know, I'm fighting Mike Warren. This is just, this is my opinion. Mm-hmm. And we bow in. I step across. We hit him in the head with a hook kick. <laughs> and I said, this is going to be easy. And all five judges, all four judges, the flags go up. The head judge comes and says, oh, Mr. Wallace, I saw it. No allow kicks the back of head. We're in tournament, right? And I went, okay, I'll just do it again. So I step in and do good. He jumps up and throws a reverse punch. And I lean side because I'm already sideways, right? Mm-hmm. He punches me in the arm. He falls down. No flags, nothing else. 
head judge walks up to Winifred and goes, nom, 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 nom. up goes the flag. I said, what the hell? Walks up, nom, nom, nom. up comes another flag. Point. And I went, what? Now I'm going to kill him. I think my said, beep, time's up. I said, how can time be up? 30 seconds went by. That's it. He says, oh, a running time, Mr. Wallace. Can't be that fast running time. Wow. But I said, well, that's right. So I said, you know what? Because I, I wanted to win the tournament because I just, for some reason. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know what? And I don't, I've never done this before. I said, you know what? You can take your tournament and ram it up your ass. <laughs> so Colin Reed grabbed me and says, Mr. Wallace, Mr. Wallace, it, we had double elimination. So you, you come back, you beat George Reynolds, you beat, you know, uh, Albert Cheeks, you fight Mike again. Really? Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. So I fight Mike and I fight Albert Cheeks and beat the hell out of him, which I apologize to him for later. <laughs> then I fight George Reynolds and beat the hell out of him. And I said, now, do I get to fight Mike Warren again? He's all, uh, I saw it, Mr. Wallace, but uh, uh, Mike Warren not lose at all, and you only lose one time. So Mike Warren, champion, you first place. You said I get to fight him. Oh, I saw it, Mr. Wallace. So now I blow up, and I tell him where to, I tell him where to go, and I, I, I leave. I fly back to Muncie, Indiana, and I'm not thinking anything about it. About four days later, I get this letter from Memphis State University. You have been accepted as a graduate assistant to Memphis State University. And I went, oh, gosh. Now, I'm married. I have a son on the way. And I'm going, okay. So I talked to my friends around Memphis area. And I have one of my friends, his name's uh, Mike Small. He had a a school he was just getting ready to start in Memphis. He said, I'll give you the school. I said, great. So I drive down with my wife to Memphis, Tennessee. I find out where the school is. I open the doors to go inside. Really freshly painted school. Really nice. There's 18 names on the list. I call 18 names. One person answers. I went, oh, oh, oh. Now, again, my wife's getting ready. This is in May. My mm-hmm. wife's getting ready to have a baby, my son, Eric, May 31st. Wow. So I said, oh, what am I going to do? So and I'm thinking what to do now. I'm going to make $150 a month from Memphis State University as a graduate assistant. That's it. Well, the uh, apartment that we found cost 250 a month. That was as cheap as we could get. So what am I going to do? Well, my wife was teaching, so she had some money. But, but you know, I said, no, 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 no. So I said, you know what? Again, given the choices that we're given, I drive over to Connolly School. I go in, knock on the door. He comes, I say, oh, Mr. Wallace, how are you doing, Mr. Wallace? Why are you in Memphis? And I say, well, sir, number one, I want to apologize to you for acting like such a dick and such an asshole at the tournament. You know, I wanted to win your tournament so bad, I just wanted it to, to look good in front of the people. He said, no problem. I understand. I understand. Why are you in Memphis? I say, well. I just accepted a graduate assistantship at Memphis State University. I'm going to teach at Memphis State University. I'm going to set up the karate program, set up the judo program, and work with the wrestling program. Oh, Mr. Wallace, I pay you $750 a month. You teach my people how to fight. Wow. On a stack of Bibles. He said, just turns to me nonchalant. says, I'll pay you $750 a month. You teach my people how to fight. Now, understand this is 1972. That's good money back then. $750, yeah, $750 plus $150 from Memphis State. That's $900. And that's tax-free. Wow. I go, all I had to do was learn his stuff. You know, his stuff and still teach him how to fight. I said, sir, I'll do it. So no matter what anybody says about Kong Ree, he saved my life. Wow. Yeah, he saved my, my reputation. Otherwise, I had to quit and get a job. And uh, then we're there, and I'm teaching for him. That next February, they have a tournament in Texas called the U.S. Championships. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan Steen puts it on. I was the defending champion. 
I go to the tournament. I fight. I mean, you've heard of uh, Skipper Mullins? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know who Skipper okay. is. Yeah, okay. Well, I fought Skipper for the Grand Championship. He's Texas. All He is Texas. And I'm I'm a visiting guy from Indiana, right? And uh, so we we go up, stand on stage. He's the he's the lightweight winner. He weighs more than I do, and I won the heavyweight division because we decided we'd go on different weight divisions so we wouldn't fight each other. You know? So that's that. And uh, Ed Daniels is the head referee, and he says, "Bill, before we start, look around, look who the officials are." In one corner, there's Chuck Norris. In the other other corner, there's Bob Wall. In one corner, there's Pat Burleson. And the other corner is Jim Harrison. Wow. All four of them are best friends to Skipper Mullins <laughs> and Ed Daniels. He said, Bill, now understand I'm from a fairly affluent family. I've never been in a fight, not a fight fight, you know? Mm-hmm. And he says, you know what you're going to have to do to get a point? And I looked at him quizzically and he says, you're going to have to drop him. <laughs> and I went, oh, shit. <laughs> and Skipper turns to me and said, yeah, yeah, Bill, if you have to, you, if you just stick it in, stick it in there. And I went, holy shit, can I go home now? <laughs> but anyway, so we bowed in. Very first move, he came in. He tried to sweep me, and I have a good counter left hook kick. He came in. I caught him right in a solar place with the hook kick, dropped him, and he's on the ground. Skipper says, or uh, Chuck Norris says, no point hit him in the arm. <laughs> so I said, okay. Skipper gets up. Skipper gets up, and he says, good point. I says, I didn't give me a point. He says, what? He says, said hit your arm. He turned to Chuck, opened his uniform top, his gi top, big old heel print on his solar plexus. <laughs> and I, and I, 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 I said, Skipper, no matter what happens the rest of our life, you and I are friends forever. And we be, and we, we, we remain friends. Nice. We remain, well, he's dead now, but we remain friends. And then I ended up, I won, it was between he and I who were the best kickers at the time. Mm-hmm. But I won the match three, two in overtime. Wow. And well, yeah, we, we had a blast. And then, and then I get home. I'm in Congaree school teaching that Monday night because there's no, you know, no rest for the wicked. Mm-hmm. And I'm teaching class and there's some, some commotion out in the foyer. And we look over there and in walks Elvis Presley. Nice. And people don't realize he walked in with a entourage, right? Mm-hmm. And he wanted to meet me because he, people didn't know this, but he was at the U.S. championships in Dallas because Ed Parker was there. Ed Parker was there too. Yeah. And Ed Parker was Elvis's teacher. So he wanted to meet me because I'd, I'd won the tournament. So we talked for a couple of minutes and so forth and so on. Because at that time, Chuck was just a point tournament fighter. He wasn't, he wasn't doing his films yet. You're right. And then, so, so, you know, go back to teaching those forth and so on. Then I graduate. I want to come a bunch of more terms. I graduate in ninth, in 73, right? 73, 74. And I go back to Indiana because, you know, my father always wanted me a school teacher. So I'm teaching up in Indiana and I get this phone call from Mike Anderson and from Joe Lewis. And they said, Bill, we're going to start. We're going to go over to Berlin. And we're going to fight at the end of May. I said, great. We're going to have a blast. I'm for it. I'll be the middleweight. He said, no, no, Bill, you don't understand. It's full contact to the knockout. I said, you guys have a wonderful time. <laughs> I right now, yeah, right now I can throw a kick or a punch and think I could kill you. I don't want to have to prove it. <laughs> and they, they kept talking, kept talking, kept talking now. Back in the old days, I don't know if you're familiar with this or not, but we respected our seniors, right? Yep. Okay, well, Joe Lewis was my senior because he was there a year and a half before I was in Okinawa. So we're talking back and forth, and Joe says, Bill, you're going to do it. I said, come on, Joe, I don't want to do it right now. It's just fun. You're going to do it. Okay. So I said, okay, I'll do it. And probably probably an hour later, maybe maybe less, I'm teaching class. My friend, my student, Herb Johnson says, uh, Bill, you might want to take this phone call. 
So I go to the office. I say, yes. And it's the Red West. He nice. says, just a minute. Elvis wants to talk to you. <laughs> so he says, Elvis says, I want you to come back to Memphis. I'm going to open up a karate school. I want you to be the teacher. <laughs> and I said, well, I, I can do that. He said, he told me, well, you're going to pay me Dawson and give me a car and all this stuff. And I went, wow, okay, I can do that. So the funny thing is, my parent, my, now I understand my father always wanted to be a school teacher because he mm-hmm. was a school teacher. So I said, how am I going to get asked? Because he already set up interviews for me to, you know, to, to interview for the superintendent of public schools and all that stuff. Yep. So I said, what am I going to do? So I called my father up. And I said, dad, put mom on the phone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I said, mom, I know dad wants me to be a school teacher and I, I want to, I'm going to fulfill his wishes but right now. I just got a phone call from Elvis Presley. He wants me to come back there and teach for him. Mom, mom, you there? <laughs> you there, mom? My dad picks up the phone and says, what did you just say to your mother? I said, dad, you know how you want to be a school teacher, right? Well, I'm going to have to put that on hold for just a little while because Elvis Presley called me up and wants me to come down and teach for him. Dad, dad, you there? <laughs> so uh, we, so I, I, yeah, my wife and I moved down to Memphis. And I'm teaching at Memphis State University. I'm teaching at the, you know, at the Tennessee Karate Institute. Then all of a sudden, Ed Parker comes down because now we go over to, to uh, Berlin. We go from Berlin up to Holland. We travel around competing, you know, competing and fighting all over. I come back. We have the World Championships, September 14th, 1974. About two weeks before that, Ed Parker calls me. Elvis's Elvis's instructor and says, Bill, I really would appreciate if you wouldn't do this kickboxing thing. Why? Well, it's not good for karate. It's not going to look good for karate. I said, but sir, it is because I'm going to do a lot of kicking. It's not any brawl. You know me as a kicker. I'm not a puncher. I don't want to, I don't want to straight shots with, I don't want to stand toe to toe and bang with somebody. I'm going to be doing a lot of kicking. Well, I really would appreciate if you wouldn't do it. I said, sir, I've already given my okay. I'm going to, I got to do it. I got to find, I, you know, it's like they said in, in, in Dirty Harry, I got to know, you know. <laughs> so I, I did it. And, uh, don't make it sound like a brag, but but you know I was I was the highlight of the fight because I did all the kicking, knocked a couple of guys out with kicks, knocked everybody down with kicks, and then uh, uh, came back and celebrated forward. Then uh, my first title defense was against uh, Joe Corley in Atlanta, and I won there. And then CBS calls me up. I said, "We want to focus with you doing fights. We want you to sign a, a contract with us to where we'll we'll promote so many of your fights." And I said, "Is this with CBS?" I said, "Yes." So I'm thinking millions and millions and millions of dollars, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, not at first. <laughs> and they said, we can only pay you so much at first. But if you're worth what we think you're worth, you'll make it at the end. I said, well, okay. And, you know, got lucky and I never lost. And they were right. I made more more since I retired than I ever have being a fighter. Look at all these guys that made millions and millions and millions doing uh, boxing and this MMA stuff. Mm-hmm. And now they have no job at all. Yep. And you fought what, yeah. 23 and 0, if I remember correctly? 20, 23 and 0, yeah. So, 23 and 0. What was your hardest fight yeah. out of those 23? Every what was one, the toughest one? Every one of them. Really? <laughs> every one of them, yeah. Well, see, because I was fighting on national television on mm-hmm. CBS Sports Spectacular live, they couldn't give me a bum of the month club. Right. I had to have a guy that was pretty good. So they said, this is, you know, so it looked good. The best time I had, I'm, I'm getting ready to fight a guy named uh, Gary Eden. His name is oh, Gary yep. Eden. Yep. Yeah, he's from North Carolina. And I was supposed to fight Steve Shepard, but he broke his ribs. So they do, he was a stand in. So I'm in the room warming up and getting ready for the fight. President of CBS Sports comes in and says, Bill, I need to talk to you. 
And I said, okay, I'm there. My corner's there. Everybody else is out of the room. And the referee, a guy named JT, JT Will. And I said, what can I do for you? He says, uh, this is kind of awkward, but I need you to promise me that you're going to take this guy at least five rounds. <laughs> what? He said, I need you to promise me you'll take this guy at least five rounds. Does he know this? <laughs> and he says, no. The reason for that is we have so much money put into this event. If you knock him out before the fifth round is over, we can only show the knockout so many times. Then we have to pay somebody else to come in and fight. We don't have that money to do that right now. We're paying you such a man now. And I say, well, I'll do my damnedest. And the, the crazy thing is, so we're out there. JT Wills, no. So JT Wills out there. He's the head referee. Mm -hmm. This guy, Darius, comes tearing across the floor. I lean back. I counter him with a left hook. Catch him right on the button. I mean, he's out cold. He's Now, this is maybe 20 seconds into the fight. <laughs> he's out cold. And I go, oh, shit. Now, the president's running around and you telling me what you got, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I won't even look at him. Though, I'm scared, you know. And JT Will's going, one, two. You know, <laughs> he, he, he's going to count it to 100. But anyway, but I mean, about the count of eight, he starts shuffling a little bit. He gets to his knees, bam, into round one. And I went, <laughs> so the president runs over and goes, what the heck? I said, I'm sorry. It won't happen again. So now here's the crazy thing. We go back out. I carry him nine rounds. Oh, wow. I find they finally stop it in the ninth round. Black Belt Magazine comes back and the next issue says, Wallace is losing it. This one goes nine rounds because before they were shooting. And I, yeah, what, what do you get? You can't tell him. I said, well, I carried him. I went, well, but if you think about it, look at, look at all, all the fights that, you know, pay-per-view now. Yep. That uh, that they they go more than five rounds or more than ten rounds, yeah. Because these people are paying all this money to see the fight. Wow, yeah, That's crazy. Just you know, yeah. And then then I just you know, fought over in Europe, fought in um, fought in front of Monte Carlo, fought in front of Princess Grace and French Renier. Nice. In 1978, and came back and did the movie with Chuck. How many of the 23 fights were on CBS? Uh, God, I would say 16, 17 of them. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know the funny thing is, you watch boxers, and they 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 defend their title maybe once a year or something mm -hmm. like that. Yep. In nineteen nineteen seventy, I think it was nineteen seventy eight. Nineteen no, it was nineteen seventy seven. I defended my title five times in one year. Wow. Oh yeah. Well, I'm looking yeah. at it right now, holy crap! Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, the the crazy thing is because I'm a defensive fighter, so you know I don't want to get hit. It hurts. I've been there, done. I didn't like it at all. So I, I, I'm not afraid to back up, you know, I'm in a ring, so, you know, I can't go too far, but I would back up. I get out of the way and encounter the guy when they charge in. So, so I wouldn't get hit that much rather than stand there toe to toe banging with each other. So I didn't get hurt. Lucky for me in all my 20 fights, I never got injured. Wow. Got lucky. So you, you mentioned the movie. What, what led to that? Was that, was that Chuck or? Oh yeah. Chuck, yeah. I'm in, in Memphis, Tennessee, working out at the, at the tennis, at TKI. And all of a sudden, coming up the stairs, it's upstairs. Chuck Norris comes in. He was up in, uh, up in, uh, Cape Girardeau with what well, couple of the schools doing some testing. Okay. He wanted, he wanted to come to Memphis and work out with me because we never sparred. And, uh, he come to Memphis and he comes upstairs and says, Hey, I came to see what you do and talk to you and see how you're doing. I said, I'm fine. How are you doing? Now and understand I'm getting ready to fight Monte Carlo. So I'm at the top of my game. And he says, Chuck says, could we spar? I said, what? Chuck was not a kickboxer, but he was, but he 
he could have been. But anyway, he said, could we spar? And I said, yeah, I'd love to. So we kicked everybody out. Nobody was there. We locked the door and we sparred for about an hour, hour and a half. Wow. Now, oh, we beat the living shit out of each other. That's awesome. Had a blast. Nobody will ever know what happened. He's not going to tell anybody. I won't tell anybody. But we had an absolute blast. That's so cool. And then, yeah, we're sitting at the end, at the end of it, just sitting there having a Coke. And he says, I'm getting ready to do a movie called The Force of One. I need a really good bad guy. You look like you'd be a good bad guy. I want to fly you out to, I want to fly you out to LA, talk with the writers, talk with the director and see what they think. And I said, well, I would love to. As soon as I get back from Monte Carlo, I would be glad to. He said, no problem. So I went to Monaco and knocked a guy out in the fourth round with a sidekick in the ribs. Broke his ribs, as a matter of fact. But anyway, so I came back. Chuck calls me up and says, can you come out next week? I said, yes, sir. So I went there, flew, talked to the director, talked to the writer. And they said, you're it. We want you. So that October, 1st of October, I drove out to L.A. Now we did the movie. October, November, December, and January, we did the movie. For someone, I was the bad guy. Nice. Yeah. Had a blast. Oh yeah, and that's such a, such a cool movie. That's an iconic movie for the you know any martial arts fan knows that one. And yeah, and you you were, you were awesome in it. <laughs> oh, dang, I died really good. <laughs> that's right. Hey, it, it takes a good a good actor to pull off a good death scene. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I shuddered with the best of them. <laughs> that's awesome. So they, obviously you enjoyed it because you you did more movies. You kept doing it. With you you kind of shifted yeah. then from fighting to to movies for a while. Well, yeah, because you know this was nineteen seventy nine. When by the time we finished the movie, at that time I was thirty five years old, and you know you you don't heal like you used to heal. Right. You're, you're you start looking at things, and if you and you start easing up, something's going to happen. You know, at that time I was hungry. I wanted to win. I. You know, and the training was, was very difficult, you know, because I have to keep the flexibility up, keep the strength up, keep the movement up. Plus, you know, the older you are, the more you get bruises and they last longer. Mm -hmm. Definitely. How was working with uh, Jackie Chan? He's a very nice guy. We had a ball. The crazy thing is, if you read, if you read the script, mm -hmm. I'm a retired world champion mm -hmm. in the movie. He's just a normal New York City police officer. And when we have our fight scene, we're going to choreograph the fight scene together, right? And he says, well, when you do this, I'll do this. And when you do this and I'll do this, you know, like the typical uh, Chinese type of them, block, 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 hit, mm -hmm. block, 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 hit, right? And I said, well, Jackie, you know, you know, according to the script, I just retired from being a world champion and you're just a regular police officer, right? Yeah. I said, shouldn't I, for the first three fourths of the fight, just beat the living shit out of you and just kind of like play with you? And he's backed up and says, yeah, yeah, it should be that way. So we choreographed it to look like that. Nice. He cheated. He cheated. He hit me with stuff that he's not supposed to hit me with. And he broke bottles over my hand. Hit me with a, an eye, a, a, a steel bender. I, I, wow. I was going to screw him, but I said, no, nah, I won't. <laughs> no, it was in the movie. That's awesome. So now thinking back, now you, you started teaching in, was it the, the late 60s? I started, well, no, uh, Memphis, well, yeah, Memphis State, I started teaching in 1972. Okay. So think about that to now. You're still doing seminars, everything. What do you think's changed about your teaching style the most over the years? Okay. This might not sound real good. What I know, but it's honest. Okay. I fight sideways. I try to teach the people sideways. If you're going to use your front leg to do kicking, to do a lot of kicking, you have to almost be sideways because the side kick comes from the side. Mm -hmm. The front leg roundhouse kick comes from the side and the hook kick comes from the side. Yep. Ironic enough, the back fist comes from the side and the ridge hand comes from the side, right? Yep. That's it. Now, in kickboxing, the kicks haven't changed at all. 
But the jab now still comes from the side, and the hook still comes from the side. Look at Floyd Mayweather. Mm-hmm. He fought perfectly sideways. He had 49 fights and never lost. Yep. So, and I try to teach people, be sideways. The side kick, the rash kick, the, the jab or the rich hand or whatever, you know, all these. And, you know, they're so intent on doing it their way that it comes out wrong. So, and I used to work so hard on doing it that way. Everybody, you know, half the class was was teasing the flexibility so they could get the knee up. Then all of a sudden I say, well, you know, let's work on the combinations this time. You don't have to throw it to the head. Because ironically enough, when I tell, when I talk to people, you know, as much as I love kicking people in the head, 13 of my knockouts was a side kick to the ribs. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. Hard to fight when you can't breathe. You know? <laughs> that is true. So, and, and, and ironically enough, you know, you throw a kick to the head, the head bobs and weaves and gets out of the way fairly easy. Mm-hmm. Whereas the core, the ribs, the stomach, the chest and so forth is stuck right there. That's cool. So and then working with it, work with the combination, but I have a blast doing the seminars and I have a lot of repeat business. So that's mm-hmm. good too. So, so is it true? I thought I read this somewhere that when you, you know, way back when in the seminars, you used to actually spar every single person that I came to your seminar. Used to, used to spar everybody, anybody wow. that wanted to, 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 yeah, just to show how, just to show how the movements really worked. You know, the speed and everything. All of a sudden, like the late nineties, I'm doing a seminar in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, it's a Korean, a Korean seminar. Mm-hmm. So this all primarily. And I say, anybody want to spar? We'll spar. And there's always one guy. You know this. Oh, yeah. There's always one guy that says, I'm going to get him. And it's usually not even a black belt. It's a lower belt. So I'm watching. I'm trying to figure out who it is. And I see this big old guy. He's about 6'5", 250 pounds, sitting over in the corner. I said, there he is. There he is. So I sparred three or four guys that had trauma. And I said, I, then I said, we only got time for maybe one or two more. You know, anybody want to spar? And the guy jumped in. I want to spar on Mr. Wallace. And I said, okay. So he stands up next to me. He's 6'5", at least 250. Wow. I'm 5'8", weigh 165 pounds. I said, okay, you're 6'5", 250. I'm 5'8", 165 pounds. Number one, I don't want to get hurt. Number two, I don't have to try to hurt you. So let's just play. Tippy, tippy, tappy, tappy. You hit me a little bit, I hit you a little bit, we learn with it, okay? No problem, yeah, yeah. So we bow in and we're sparring around. He comes charging, I hit him with a counter hook kick. Just all it does is sound like a smack, you know, like you clap your hands together. Yep. That made everybody stop, stop and watch us. I went, oh God, here it goes. <laughs> so you can all see like a bull in a giant shop. Here he is walking and he, here he comes. So I hit him with the defensive side kick and I drop him. I pump him back up. I says, hey, I don't want to get hurt. And I don't want you to roll over me because I don't want to get fall, you know, you to fall on me. Oh, okay. We sort of move around a little bit. Well, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Then I fake a low rash kick. He drives in. I kick him in the face with a high rash kick. And again, it goes smack. And I said, oh, shit, here he comes. And he came through. And I hit him with a defensive side kick again and drop him again. <laughs> this time, I just let him lay there. Finally, he gets his win back. I said, maybe you should better go sit down for a Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, one more guy comes up. And with that's a tippy, tippy, tappy, tappy type thing, of course. Mm-hmm. So I don't think anything about it, because it happens all the time. There's always somebody, right? Yep. So I get home about two days later, I get this letter. Dear sir, my client informs you on, you know, that I broke his ribs. So I give it to my lawyer and he writes back and says, dear sir, my client is 5'8", 165. Your client was 6'5", 250. Sir, they were not playing tiddlywinks. <laughs> and uh, that was it. Never heard back from him. So I said, you know, and I said, you know what? You know, why, why take the chance anymore? Cause, cause, you know, I don't want to get mad, have to really drill somebody. Cause, right. you know, I did, you know, I tell him, I said, I didn't get this reputation by being a dork wimp, 
but you know, everybody tries to clock you if I get a freebie. And then it's, and then they say, well, you know, I could have, I could have beat you back then. Of course. Wow. That's crazy though. But I love it. I'm in Minnesota. I sparred, sparred a lot of guys up in Minnesota. Have a blast. Oh yeah. So what led to you decide to start writing some books? I was at Memphis State University working on my graduate degree. Mm-hmm. And one of my, one of my mentors there is a guy named Roy Schrader, Dr. Roy Schrader, kinesiological professor. He comes up to me and says, let's write a book. And I said, what? He says, let's write a book on karate and kinesiology. Why exactly movements happen? And I said, right, okay. Now, in the educational field, I'm sure you've heard of this, it's publish or perish, right? Yep. Well, it's funny. I'm a graduate assistant and my book was published. Nice. And it, it was published in 1973 and it was, it was still in print 1995. Wow. Yep, they had that. We're still in print, still being used until 1995. That's cool. Yeah. So I went, wow. So that, and then, uh, then I, I moved out to Los Angeles and started doing films out there. And then Unique Publications, Dave Cater at that time was uh, Curtis Wong and Dave Cater said, let's do a book on the way you fight, Bill. I said, okay. And we did the book, you know, it's called uh, Dynamic Stretching and Kicking. And uh, it was a number one seller for several years for mm-hmm. three new publications. Yep. Then after that, we did one called The Ultimate Kick. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. You're still doing seminars all around the U.S., around the world. What? Yeah. Just a few examples. What could someone expect if they went to one of your seminars? What are they going to see? What are they going to well, learn? A little bit of why something happens. Uh, I work, I go through the kinesiological aspect of flexibility, how to get flexible, why we need that flexibility, not just flexibility, but the agility within the flexibility, how to use that flexibility. You know, people think flexibility is from the kick up. It's not. It's not the kick up, it's the kick out. So you can get reach. So, and you know, how to, some of the strengthening exercises of doing the kicking movements, the three kicks that I use, the side kick, the rouse kick, and the hook, how I use those three kicks in combination, mm-hmm. and then how I use the front hand to keep you away. If you've ever sparred with somebody, the worst thing that can happen to a kicker is you get too close to me. Yep. That's why I work the jab and the back fist line, which keeps you away from me, so I can work those kicking techniques. Okay. How many super and, system yeah. schools are there right now? Right now, we have almost we almost forty. Wow. Yeah, doing good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, is there is there one in Minnesota? Uh, no, there not yet. We've uh, I've done a lot of things. Where where are you in Minnesota? So I'm in Moorhead. I'm up uh, straight up the interstate uh, near Fargo, oh, you North, Fargo you're North Dakota. Close to Fargo, yeah. Yep. Well, you, you, you've been to Alexandria, haven't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's uh, okay. ninety miles away from me. Oh, okay. It's cold up there. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> been to the Diamond Nationals a couple times with uh, you know with yep. Larry, Larry Carnahan. I've sparred a couple of his guys. I've sparred with John Longstreet a couple times. Exhibition things like that. That's actually where I met you. I met you at the Diamond Nationals, and I think it was 1991. You did a seminar there. Oh, good. I think yeah. I was 16 or 17 years old. So. <laughs> oh wow! Did, did, did I do that? Did I do the exhibition match with John? I, I'm trying to remember. You you did the seminar the Friday night. I know. I think I think you did because I remember I remember meeting John Longstreet too. So that might have been the same one. I actually still have a, a magazine. I just found it about a month ago. I found the magazine that I had you sign. So, Oh, wow. Well, yeah. well, thank you. Thank you. Oh, yeah, definitely. So what are one or two tips you would give someone? Let's say someone got a hold of you. They've never done martial arts in their life, and they're looking to getting involved, and they're just wondering, you know, hey, what, what's one or two things I should maybe look for in an instructor or maybe something I should avoid? Make sure you can have some fun. Nice. Because if you're not having any fun, it gets old real quick. That's why people quit. They come in there. They have a, an attitude of what they think martial arts is. 
But think about this. This is between you and I and the people who are listening. Mm -hmm. If you really wanted to find out how bad you were, how tough you were, you get somebody out there, put the gloves on, and beat the crap out of each other. But we want to find some nice, sneaky, mystical way of defeating the enemy (laughs) with that judo chop or that double jumping spinning back kick that's going to take somebody's head off. Touch of death. (laughs) Yep. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, Dimock. Yep. <laughs> but it's not going to happen. So you you have to explain to the people that, that you know, you're going to learn these techniques. We're going to teach you a whole bunch of techniques, several, several techniques. And what your job to do is find three or four of those techniques that you've been taught that you like, that you can do, mm-hmm. and perfect those. Not all of them, just mm-hmm. some of them. Because, you know, I'm left-handed. I fight left side forward. Mm-hmm. I have the world's shittiest reverse punch with my right hand. <laughs> really. I mean, I, 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 you could say hit this and I'd say, okay, and I can make a bag sing. I can make a heavy bag sing, but I can't punch anybody with it. Wow. I just okay. don't have the confidence. Okay. Yep. But I do have a good jab and I have a good left hook. Nice. I think I've had a, a handful of guests say that. The first guest I had talk about that was uh, James DeMille, who trained with Bruce Lee yep. back in the And he said that same thing. He said Bruce Lee had his, his toolbox. You learned like three, four, five yep. techniques that you perfected, and that was your toolbox. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm like, that's actually a good. And, and I think about that. It's the same way I am. Even I've, I've studied martial arts since I was 10. But, yeah, there's like two or three techniques that I consider my best. Yeah. And, and they've changed. Some of those techniques have changed as I've gotten older and stuff. You know, I used to have one that was a, a jumping kick, a jump spinning knife foot to the head. But, obviously, I'm 49. I'm not going to do that probably anymore. Yeah. So, now I do a jump turning side kicks my best kick, which I've cool. perfected over the last 15 years probably. So. <laughs> Yeah, young kids, the first thing you would do is do that double jump and spinning back kick. Until yep. they find out they fall on their butt every time they throw it. <laughs> yep. and, and they find out after a while it doesn't work. Exactly. You know, so then they go like, well, maybe I'll try Maybe I'll try that front kick or maybe I'll try that back fist reverse punch. You know, the funny thing is the first two techniques we've ever been taught was the back fist and the reverse punch, right? Mm-hmm. And point tournaments to this day, to this day, the number one technique in point tournaments throughout the entire world is back fist reverse punch. Really? Yep. Oh, I was at a, a major karate tournament a couple of months ago. I watched 10 final matches. and 10 final matches, I saw two sidekicks thrown. Wow. That's it. Really? No round ass kicks, no spinning kicks, no axe kicks, just two sidekicks. And they were defensive sidekicks. Mm-hmm. So, you know. My core system is traditional Taekwondo. So like when our tournaments, it's 50% kicks, 50% hands. It's, it's, I've seen tournaments won by punching. I've seen tournaments won by kicking and it's, it's a nice blend, which I enjoy. Yeah. But in open tournaments now, you know, they, they, they call so many different techniques. You know, if I touch you someplace before you touch me, I get the point. Yeah. And a back fist reverse punch, you know, I throw the back fist your head. You got to lift your hand to block it. Then I throw the reverse punch to the body. And that's my point. Even if it hits, it's, it's a point. That's crazy. So I know I, I mentioned at the intro, you were, you were a commentator on the original UFC back in 93. So I'm just kind of curious your thoughts, you know, on, on kind of, were you more a fan of like the original UFC back in the nineties or what it's, yeah. be, what it's become? Now? I, I never, I never thought it was going to go. Okay. I never, I watched it. I watched it. I was a commentator on it. Remember back in the first one, it was no holds barred basically. Yep. And no time limit. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys are, sometimes there's, a, 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 you're out there 20, 30 minutes, these guys fighting each other. Yep. And with my wrestling background, what people don't understand is when you're laying on your back, you don't have any power punching up. Right. And Hoist Gracie, now this the funny thing too is, when I said, yeah, I'll be glad to do it. I didn't know 
that the R is yeah, an the H. R, yeah, Royce. Yeah, yeah, Royce. I'm a Brazilian, so I'm calling him Royce and Rorian and all. And I said after during the middle of it, in the middle of the commentary, they said the R is an H. <laughs> oh, thanks. Now, so now it's Rorian, Royce, and all. But uh, I'm there's a guy sitting beside me. I have a black belt in judo, so I'm sitting there watching the fights, and this guy's standing right beside me, telling me what to tell the people. <laughs> They're telling me that Hoist is going to do before he even does it. Oh, wow. So I'm going, whoa, hold on. I, I said, you know, I know what a choke is. I know what a, you know, you know you're calling it a bare naked choke. I call it a hot, a Dr. Jimmy. It's a, a hot Dr. Jimmy is a naked choke. Mm-hmm. Jimmy is choke. So I went, okay. So I listened to all that stuff. Then when, uh, if you watch it, when uh, I'm there with Jim Brown and, and Kathy, yep. and uh, this uh, sumo wrestler loses his balance and drops down on his hands and knees, right? This guy from Holland hits him with a roundhouse kick in the face, his breaks his tooth off, off yep. and the tooth is flying over my head. Yep. And I went, what the hell was that? And it was a tooth. And hit him full force. The guy's head didn't even move. The head did not move. Wow. Then he stepped in and punched him right in the mouth, punched him right in the mouth as hard as you could punch him in the mouth. And the head still didn't move. The sumo wrestler stood up. And I went, uh-oh. <laughs> but they called the fight. Now, there's no blood, nothing else, but they called the fight. And I said, why'd they call the fight? You know, usually it's a knockout or, mm-hmm. or submission or something like that. They stopped the fight. And I went, whoa. And what happened is when he kicked him in the face, he broke his foot. And when he punched him in the face, he broke his hand. Wow. So, but they, but they gave him the fight. Mm-hmm. And another thing, too, you ever played judo? I did it for about six months when I was younger. Okay. You learn in, when you play judo that the uniform is a weapon. Yes. Right. Okay. Now, if you notice at the first one, now this gets me in trouble and I apologize right from the very go, but it's just my thoughts because I'm a judo player too. Mm-hmm. Here you have, uh, these guys are not allowed to wear any wraps at all. If you look at them, there's no hand wraps, no ankle wraps, nothing. Yep. Only one was allowed to wear a glove was the boxer. Yep. Art Jimerson. He was yep. only, he was, yeah. And he was only allowed to wear one glove. Couldn't wear both of them, just one. But Hoist was allowed to wear his entire uniform. Yep. Now, when he fought Ken Shamrock, the argument was when Ken Shamrock came in for a takedown, Hoist choked him out with his own belt. And okay. they stand up, they came to the and said, Hoist, sure I can. This is my weapons right here. This is my uniform. So that, that took care of all that stuff. Yep. And, uh, you know, what I, what my question was, the reason I only did the one, my question was afterwards is, how come you didn't get a collegiate wrestler? How come you didn't get a wrestler in here that, number one, knows wrestling techniques other than a sumo wrestler and is a tough guy, like a heavyweight guy they're going to use? Yep. Well, we wanted to make a lose. Sumo wrestlers, they don't do any punching. They don't do any kicking. They just sit down on you. Yep. So, and I said, well, that doesn't sound funny. So there were the nine fighters and one sumo wrestler. But uh, always choked all of his guys out. And uh, then when he fought the, the, the Holland guy at the end, the Holland guy couldn't do anything. He had a broken foot and a broken hand. <laughs> yep. So Hoyce took him down and, and just you know, probably choked him out. Yeah. And at, at the end of it, you know, I'm, 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 I'm talking with Jim Brown. I said, you know, I, you know, I was impressed with Hoyce because he, he threw one kick and uh, choked everybody out. So that's crazy. <laughs> but, yeah, crazy. It was a hell of a of a advertisement for Gracie Jiu Jitsu. Oh yeah, it worked. <laughs> It worked. It worked it, 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 look what, great, it, look what it became now. Two so. hour, yeah, oh, yeah. Two-hour advertisement for Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Yep. yep. Gracie. Yeah. Hoist never, hoist never got touched. Never got kicked. Never got punched. Here's my question to you. Okay. You do martial arts. You do Kiwana, right? Yep. Okay. Now, you, you think about this if you want to erase it or not. Mm-hmm. These guys were brand new fighters. All of them were stand-up fighters. 
I, as a stand-up fighter, I was not, I was never taught to tap out. Right. Were you ever taught to tap out? No, no. Only when I started learning jujitsu. Son of a gun. Yep. Now, these guys were told, evidently, if something happens and you get choked out or something like this, go ahead and tap out. Now, during, during the heat of battle, and I'm beating on you and I'm choking your ass off, <laughs> would you have enough common sense to tap out? If I've never if done you're it before, scared? no, probably not. <laughs> exactly. That's my, that was another one of my thoughts. Hold it now. So just, just a thought of it. Now, I'm, you know, just, just my thoughts. No, it makes you know, sense. Because I've done this for a long time. Yeah. But they changed the rules, and now it's very, very effective. I still don't like the ground and pound because that sounds like a street fight. Yeah. I used to watch it. I actually used to judge local MMA fights. I judged over a 1,000, and I just. Oh, wow. Yeah. I just, I, I probably haven't sat and watched an MMA fight in over seven years. Yeah. Well, I watch them a little bit when you're on. Yeah. yeah, I like to watch John Jones sometimes because he does kicking. Yeah, definitely. And I've, I've had a few of the UFC guys on my show. You know, I have nothing, oh, nothing, no, but, not, I, nothing but respect. And I actually had uh, Fred Edish who fought in UFC number two back in the day. So yeah, he was on my show. So I've had it from you know all eras and stuff. And it's been yeah, I, I have nothing but respect for those guys. It's just you know I just don't enjoy it as much as I used to. <laughs> Okay, so you've had an, an amazing career, amazing life. You've met and trained with so many amazing martial artists. So who are three, four, five names you would put on your personal Mount Rushmore of martial arts? Mount Rushmore? Yep. Martial arts. Number one, Chuck Norris. Nice. Number two, Joe Lewis. Cool. I believe Ed Parker. Nice. I think June Rhee would be at the top of it also because of his uh, bringing the Taekwondo to America. Definitely. And... You know, you might even say there's several. Robert Trias, mm -hmm. United States Karate Association. You got something on Bruce Lee. You know, uh, you know, there's so many friends. You know, guys, guys that have fought with me mm -hmm. uh, over the over the last sixty years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but you know, just it's such a fraternity. Yeah. That you know, you might not like each other, but you know, you might have bad things to say about each other. But when it comes right down to it. We'll go have a drink together. Nice. Guys, yeah, looking through your list of all your fights, and I've had uh, two of the people you fought have been on my show. So <laughs> I've had. Uh, oh, yeah. Who's that? Yeah. Joe Corley and Pat Worley have both oh, been yeah. on my show. So. Oh, yeah. Pat, you know, this, this is so funny. I fought Pat in Indianapolis, Indiana. I think it was what, 76, 77? 77, like October 8th, 1977. 77. Yep. Yeah, 77. And uh, we fought a couple times in point tournaments, and I, I'd, I'd won. And I was, I was a really good point fight. I was quick, you know, I was mm -hmm. fast. And then don't take this the wrong way, but when we fought and I won the fight, I'm, not, I'm going to say how I won the fight. But when I won the fight, he hadn't talked to me in 10 years. Really? Hadn't said one word to me in 10 years. We'd be at tournaments and he wouldn't talk to me. We'd be someplace and he wouldn't talk to me. You know, finally, finally, about two years ago, we're at Jim Harrison's funeral up in Missoula, Montana. Mm -hmm. And I said, hi, Pat. And he says, hi, Bill, how are you doing? I said, do you know this is the first time you've talked to me in, in, since, since we fought? And he says, really? And I said, you know it is. And he says, well, I, I was fighting it so bad that, that I, I never wanted to think you were that good. But you were. <laughs> wow. And I said, you know, and, and the funny thing is, if you talk to my friends, if you talk to people I fought, I was never Billy Badbutt. Mm -hmm. I just like I just like the competition, and if somebody's going to get hit when we fight, I'd rather it be you. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> you know, I was I was fast. I was I was quick. I was strong, and and I just used that. Plus, I with my competitiveness from the wrestling and the judo, I had really really good distance. Nice. 
So in all your years of martial arts, is there one philosophy you've learned that rises to the top? It's at the top of your list. Still use it. Yep. Have a blast. Nice. I like that. If you don't have fun, any training you do, whether it be, you know, if you want to go shopping, if you go shopping and you're not having any fun, you'll leave. You'll find some reason to leave. Yep. And same thing, you know, what martial arts is for us nowadays, we have to compete with volleyball. Yeah. We have to complete soccer, basketball, all these other sports that are basically designed to have fun. Mm-hmm. But martial arts, you're actually learning something. Martial arts, you're learning how to, number one, defend yourself. Mm-hmm. But also, it's a way of life. You go through life calm. You go through life relaxed. You go through life, you know, whatever it may seem. When I studied in Okinawa, our instructor, Ezo Shimabuku, walked around with a bamboo shinai and beat the shit out of you. I've heard stories. But it, but it, yeah, but it made you tough. Yep. It made you say, well, that doesn't hurt as much as you think it does. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I never, when I was a kid, younger, I never wanted to get hit. I saw movies. I saw people get hit. And I went, well, that doesn't look fun at all. Then all of a sudden I find out when you do get hit, it's not the end of the world. It might hurt a little bit, yep. might sting. But it's not the end of the world. Right. So you find out all kinds of things like that. I hate needles. Mm. My wife will tell you, I am scared to death of needles. Okay. And I'd read you punch me in the mouth, then give me a shot. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, but over the years, because of being, you know, 77 years old, I've had to take inoculations. I had to take vaccinations and so mm-hmm. forth. And, you know, it's not that bad. I had to get blood. You know, you get blood tests every year and so forth. So I've learned to, to put up with that a little bit. I still don't like it, but it's not like it's not, oh, it's going to ruin my whole day. I've been doing seminars now for 50 some years. Wow. And, and it's a blast. I mean, everybody will tell you, I, I probably have more fun than the people in the seminar have. And I probably kick as much, if not more, than the people in the seminar do because I'm always trying to teach them my way, not the right way, my mm-hmm. way. Right. And if I do it wrong, I'm going to keep doing it till I do it right. That's my, that's my training part of it. That's cool. All right. I have a few fun questions to wrap it up here. Now, this one, you can't pick one of your own. Do you have a favorite martial arts book? Uh, favorite, favorite martial arts book? Yep. That you didn't write. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, God, I can't, I can't say mine. Uh, oh, 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 Korean karate. Nice. Okay. I think you're the second one that said that. So. Do, you, do you know why they call it Korean karate? I've heard a few different versions of the story. So the reason he called it Korean karate, because when he first came to the United States, nobody knew they knew what karate was, mm-hmm. but they didn't know what Taekwondo was. Exactly. So they called it Korean karate. And I'm glad you pronounce it Taekwondo. Cause I, it, it drives me crazy when people call it Taekwondo. Um, <laughs> my well, my, my instructor know, would give us push-ups if we called it Taekwondo. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, if you, if you do it right, it's ta, ta, Taekwondo. Yep. yep. It's not ta, it's not ta, right. right. P-E-H or something like Taekwondo. All right. How about a, now this is another one. You can't pick one that you've been in, a favorite martial arts TV show. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, hold on. Uh, Jane, what's that movie with Matt Damon we like? That I like. Oh, uh, The Born Identity? Yeah, Born. Yeah, The Born Identity. I like that. Okay. Well, that's a movie. Uh, that was actually the next question. Do you have a TV show? Oh, were, yeah. Were, no, TV, yeah. Were you a fan of like uh, Kung oh, yeah, Fu? Yeah. Or? You know, back, yeah, not, well, not Kung Fu so, so much. But I liked uh, Mar, not Marlo. Uh, God damn, oh, Marlo was good. Uh, the Cato. What's the one you got? Oh, uh, Green, oh, Hornet. Green Hornet. Okay, Green Hornet. Yes, nice. Because I, I was in the service. I was at Norton Air Force Base, California, when the Green Hornet was popular. Very cool. Here's a story for you. 
I, I'm working for Elvis Presley, right? Mm-hmm. 1970, 70, probably 74, 70, yeah, 74, 74, 75. He calls me up and says, get out to the house. Come out to the house. I want to talk to you. I said, uh-oh, what I do? So I drive out the house. At that time, his father had just married a lady named Dee. She had two sons named uh, David Stanley and Billy Stanley. Mm-hmm. Billy was the, the elder one, and he was at a bar. And he was trying to pick up this girl. And he kept telling this girl that, hey, I'm Elvis Presley's brother. I'm this, I'm that. And uh, and, the, and she said, leave me alone. That's my boyfriend right there. Leave me alone. And he kept saying, well, do you know who I am? I'm, you know. So the, the boyfriend came over and beat him up. Jeez. Okay. He comes home and tells Elvis what happened. So he, so he calls me up. I show up and we find out where this guy lives because Elvis knew people, you know. <laughs> we find out where this guy lives. Red West, Sunny West, and myself show up at this guy's house. Wow. We go knock on the door. The guy owes the door. We knock the door in and we walk. Now, understand, this is illegal. <laughs> yes. Well, highly illegal. And we're there. I said, well, Tom, let's just find out what happened. So I said, who beat him up? And this guy said, I did. I said, why? And the guy said, because he was trying to pick up my girlfriend. He was touching her, playing around with her. We told him to leave her alone. And he wouldn't leave her alone. And we know this for a fact because the guy's Billy's a shit. About that time, Red West turns this other guy in the room. There's two guys in the room. Hits this guy with a sidekick, knocks him against the refrigerator. He slides down the refrigerator. All of a sudden, I hear, do you hear that? Mm-hmm. And I look around. This guy's out of 30-06 lever action carbine pointed at me. Wow. Not at anybody else. At me. And his hands are shaking. <laughs> And Red's going to hit him again. I said, hey, Red, stop it, stop it, stop it. Leave him alone. So I turn it. And as I turn around, I leave the TV on. Kung Fu's on. <laughs> the TV show Kung Fu's on. Wow, this guy's got this 30 out six pointed at my head. Wow. So I said, I tell him, I said, put the gun down. Nothing's going to happen. All we want to know is what happened. Because Elvis is worried about his, his brother-in-law. The guy says, it really is Elvis's brother? It's his brother-in-law. <laughs> oh, well, Okay. So he apologized, and I said, so we left the, left the house. And I left the house, and I go, you know what? I came about one second of dying. If, you, if Red, leave these people alone. And Red, you know who Red West is? Oh, yeah. Red is Elvis's chief of security. They were best friends in high school. Mm-hmm. They would come down to the karate school that Elvis had, and I would spar with Red. Red is, is probably the one toughest son of a bitch I've ever seen in my life. Yep. I would hit him with a kick, drilling with him. I mean, hard as I could hit him with him. And as he's going down, he tried to grab my leg and pull himself up my leg. Wow. And I'm, I'm shaking my leg, get off, get off me. And when Elvis would do exhibition demonstrations, he would he would work red and just beat the tar out of red. And red just took everything. I went, wow. So, you know, That's crazy. It, was, it, was, it was, but yeah, you know, so TV series Kung Fu and I yeah. like, I like Greek on it and that stuff. You're, you're the second person that told me how, how tough Red West was. I had Marshall Teague on the show. And he oh, yeah. could not Marshall, say enough Marshall nice things about us in Memphis. Yep. <laughs> Marshall worked out with us in Memphis. Yeah. Yeah. Marshall was a great guy. Out? Super good guy. Yeah. He's super good. Yeah. Super. Nice. Yep. All right. Here, here's a fun question. This one doesn't have to be a martial arts movie. It can be any movie. Just a favorite movie fight scene. Hold on. Hold and I've, on. I've had people say anything from Star Wars to comic book movies to The Princess Bride to Enter the Dragon <laughs> and everything in between. So anything goes. <laughs> Let me, let me think, let me think about two seconds now. No problem. Well, you know, if you go back the, uh, God, my mind just went blank. Uh, 
give me some some of the other guys that said some of their advice. I'll tell you. I'm trying to think. So, well, some old ones. A, a few people have said like Kurosawa movies. Um, someone said the fight oh. with Billy Jack. Rocky, I think, was one of them. <laughs> oh, well, see, you know, see, I, I'm I'm terrible with that because I look at fight scenes, and because I did a lot of choreography, I look at fight scene and I said, well, that would never happen. That would never happen. And you think yep. about the Rocky movie, the first one. Yep. That would have been stopped about the second round. <laughs> yep. Yep. And the one with Billy Jack. Mm-hmm. Why would he take his shoes off? <laughs> exactly. You know, if you're going to kick somebody in the head, wouldn't you want to wear a pair of boots to do it with? I would want to. <laughs> All right. Yeah, very much so, because those, those heels are awful hard in cowboy boots. Yep. Nice. But uh, let me see. Let me think of one. Well, you know, the fights that I use mine, mm-hmm. the fight scene that I did with Chuck Norris. Yeah. In, uh, in the ring. In the ring. I really liked. Okay. That's a good one. Because Chuck and I choreographed that ourselves. Nice. Yeah. Here's a, here's a weird question for you uh, from, from Dana Abbott. He told me to ask you if you still like maple donuts. <laughs> maple donuts are absolutely fantastic. You have to understand something. No, listen to me. You don't, don't, don't laugh. It's not funny. Where it is. But there are several food types, right? Several food groups. Uh-huh. I like the one called junk. <laughs> okay. Now, junk. Now, donut. There's only one reason for a donut. Is that's to taste good. Yep. They're not nutritional valuable for you at all. Matter of fact, bread bread has no nutritional value at all. I've had friends that call bread white dust. Basically, it has no nutrition value until you put maple frosting on it. Now you put maple frost now and ask some nutritional value because it tastes good. <laughs> there you go. But good thing about it is we work it off. That's right. Understand this, people. Now I'll, I'll give you a, a nutritional lesson right now. Okay. I eat a lot of hamburgers, a lot of French fries, and drink a lot of Cokes and ice cream. Okay. Hamburgers, I eat absolutely plain. So the only thing there is the meat and the bun. Okay. Sometimes if it's a big hamburger, I'll take the bottom bun off and just use the top bun. Okay. I don't eat anything on them, so all my nutritional value is from the meat itself. And important thing that you understand is hamburgers have grease in them. Yes. And, and if you ever watch me do a seminar, when I did a seminar in uh, in, uh, in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. you notice you did not hear one squeak. Nope. My hips don't squeak at all. Mm-hmm. So, but then, see, understand you have to understand there is grease after a while solidifies. That's why we eat hamburger. That's why you eat, we eat French fries. Because French fries are, are cooked in a nice soluble grease oil, right? Yep. In a nice soluble oil. When you mix the grease... With the French fry oil, it becomes a nice, soluble liquid that when it dissipates down through your joints, becomes a great lubrication. But then you have this aftertaste in your mouth. Mm-hmm. That's why we eat ice cream, to get rid of that aftertaste. Okay. But then if you have the ice cream, you have this milky taste in your mouth. It's a sticky-type taste, right? Mm-hmm. That's why you wash it down with a, with a nice a Coca-Cola or a Pepsi-Cola. <laughs> okay. There's a reason for all that stuff. Yeah, hey, that works. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. The super foot diet. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a joke. When I retired from fighting in 1980, I weighed 165 pounds. Mm-hmm. In 2023, I still weigh 165 pounds. Wow, that's impressive. Haven't, haven't gained a pound, so that's a good part. That is a good thing. Ironically, ironically enough, my mother saved a lot of my my military stuff. Mm-hmm. I can still wear my fatigues from 1967. 
<laughs> it's kind of funny. That is that is funny. That's kind of cool though. Yeah. 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 All the stuff I used to wear. <laughs> nice. All right. Before I let you go, I do have, I've been waiting to do this for 30 years. I, I have my Bill Wallace story. I've talked about it on my show, but I've never told the story because I wanted to wait until you were on the show to tell the story. And I, you may remember it. You may not. It, it happened when you did the seminar at the Diamond National. So I'm going to tell the story and we'll see if you remember it. Me and my buddies drove, I think I was 16 or 17 years old. And me and a couple of buddies drove down that Friday night. We wanted to go to the seminar. We wanted to meet you. And we went through the seminar and had a blast. So fast forward to the Saturday, and of course, you know, at the Diamond Nationals, they had the big vendor area where all Atomics and yep. Black Belt Magazine and Century all had tables. And and me and my friend Jason were, were walking around and, and looking at stuff, and, and my friend Jason stops me, and, and he's like, he's like, dude, dude, he goes, there's Jim McMahon. I'm like, what? I wasn't a football fan. I actually had no idea who Jim McMahon was until I saw him, and I'm like, oh, yeah, he was in that movie Johnny Be Good. He's like, there's Jim McMahon. So I'm like, all right, cool. So we walked over. And uh, my friend Jason was a huge football fan, big Chicago Bears fan. He's like, Mr. McMahon, Mr. McMahon, I am such a huge fan of yours. I'm just wondering if I can get like an autograph or a picture or something. And and he looks at my friend Jason kind of disgusted. He's like, I'm not here for that kid and just walks away. And we're like, what a jerk. You know, we're, we spent the next probably two, three minutes just ripping on Jimmy. Like, we, we don't like him. We hate the Chicago Bears and just kind of ignored him. And about 10 minutes later, we were over by the Atomics table looking at shoes. And also we look, and you're standing next to us. You're looking, you go, hey, guys, how you doing? Hope you had fun last night at the seminar. We're like, yeah, we did. And kept looking. And about two minutes later, Jim McMahon comes walking up to the table. And he walks up to you. And he says, Mr. Wallace, I'm such a huge fan of yours. I followed your career. I'm wondering if I can get an autograph. And you look over at us and wink. And you look at Jim McMahon and say, I'm not here for that kid. And you walked away. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I <laughs> Did I, did I have him sign something for you then? I don't remember. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. If I, you I thought I said something. I said, oh, if, if, if you sign their autograph, I'll sign yours. You might something have. Yeah, like my, you might have did that for my friend Jason. But we high five. I mean, Jim McMahon just dropped his mouth. He's like, what? <laughs> and we high-fived each other. And we were like, Bill Wallace is the coolest man in the world. <laughs> and we never got yeah. to thank you for that. So that was pretty awesome. <laughs> you, are, you are quite welcome. <laughs> that was so cool. My, but- my pleasure. My pleasure. But no, it was just, it was, this has been such an honor, a dream come true. You were When I decided to do this show over two years ago, you were one of the first people on my list. I was just hoping, wow. hoping someday I'd be able to get you on the show, and I'm so glad we were able to do this. I've had such a blast listening to you tell stories and, and hearing about your life, and and I, I'm, I'm hoping maybe next time you're in Minnesota, I can get down to one of your seminars. It would be a blast. But is, be, before I let you go, is there anything that I forgot to mention? I, and I'll put links for your website and everything out there for people to check out your seminars. But anything I forgot to mention you want to get out there before I let you go? Okay. It's Bill at superfootsystem.com. Yep. So everybody, give me, give me out. Say, say hi to me. But, you know, if, if you're taking martial arts, have a blast. It, it's so much fun. It's, it's something that you can actually do forever. You know, it's, it's like golf. You, can, you can't play from the tips, but you can play from the red tees. You can play from the gold tees. Chip it up, you know. But, but martial arts is, is forever. You know, it, you can do it. It's a blast. Yep. I, I still love it. That's cool. Well, I just, from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. I, I know you're a busy man and I, I so, so appreciate this and, and I, I've loved chatting with you and, and I can't wait till the episode comes out. It'll, it'll be about a month. It'll be, I think, second week in April when this episode will come out, but I can't wait for people to hear it. Thank you very much. 
Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist. We hope you will join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist, and we'll see you next week.